here we are. We're having April Media Club and the works that we watched for this club were Snowpiercer and I May Destroy You. And then the backup choice was Black Earth Rising, um, which I watched because I couldn't access I May Destroy You. Um, so yeah, does everybody want to introduce yourselves? So we have Claire and, oh, I don't know, you could just first. say hi. <laughs> Um, okay. Hi. I'll pass it off to Hazel because she's next on my screen. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. All right. Uh, and then we have uh, Sarish. Hi. I'm really delighted to finally be part of the media club, which I've been trying to do since the past few months. Yay. But it just didn't work out with my timing. So um, thank you for having me. Yay. We're glad to have you. And we have Natalie. Hi, I'm Natalie. All right, and uh, last one is Enya, right? Am I saying your name right? Uh, yes, you are. Um, okay, hi. Enya. This is my, my second time, and I'm glad I, I was allowed to come back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you yeah. could have said, you know. <laughs> so I'm happy to have everyone. And yep. Sabrina will join us hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, Sabrina will come in later. All right, um, so I guess let's just start with, did you have, what did you think about the shows? Should we do it by show or by question? Mm, maybe let's start with, I don't know, just general, um, general thoughts about the show. So does anybody have anything that they want to share overall? So I think like, so Snowpiercer, no, I found all of the media to be quite heavy. Um, so Snowpiercer kind of had this, so the the overall premise is that they're on this train and they're they can't stop and the world is like freezing over and basically their whole world is contained on the train and everybody i talked to about this was like why can't they stop the train and i was like i don't know why they can't stop the train like, i think it has to do with the engine sometimes. doesn't it yeah it has oh, to do with the engine okay the perpetual yeah. motion keeps the heat yeah it's the it's the eternal engine so if they exactly. stop they die yeah okay yeah. but then like or if they stop for two lives yeah and then you'll see you know everyone's breath you can start to see it if they're still for too long because it starts to get way too cold very very quickly so yeah, yeah. very limited i think when they stop it's just once or twice and i think once it's because of Big Alice that they're able to start again. And then mm. second time they don't have as many cars, something like that. Mm. So I do think if, they, if they'd stop just by themselves, they would not be able to start again, I think. Yeah, I, think. I was trying to explain so. it to my parents and my friend and I was like, I don't know, I'm not an engineer, but they can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> is, is the, I'm sorry, I didn't watch. I just didn't have the time to watch more than one uh, series. Um, did they not have a train driver? Oh, yeah, they, they have several train drivers. Yeah. Basically so, engineers. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, they have several engineers. And so the main conflict within the work is that there's one, uh, one person who's kind of like the engineer of the train. Her name is Melanie. And she was kind of responsible for building a lot of the train and putting it together. She's, so she knows it really well. And she kind of wants to keep a system in place where there's a lot of order, even though it's a very classist system. Whereas there's this other character, Leighton, who comes from the tail end of the train, um, who wants to change everything up and have a revolution and make it more democratic. 
so that's kind of like the main conflict within the work and like everything starts off with when um, there's a murder on the train and they get Leighton to come and try to solve the murder because he used to be a detective but then because they took him out of the tail which is like the lowest class of the train now he's like he sees more on the train he gets more power so then like so things start changing and they start putting together a plan to have a revolution so that's kind of the overall plot of Snowpiercer Hey, Sabrina's Hi. here. So, so that was here. our <laughs> first work. Um, then we also had Black Earth Rising. Uh, does anybody want to kind of give a summary of that? Hey, who saw that, by the way? I'm sorry. I, just I did. Okay. I thought it was quite complicated to, to mm. give a summary of it um, because yeah. <laughs> it takes place in so many different countries and, well, it discusses a different timeline and also pops in timelines and yeah I, I thought it was this jumping was what I thought was quite difficult because um, all of a sudden we're on the other side of the world um, but yeah I, I don't know if I can um, summarize it properly about a woman who is has been rescued from Africa and she was and her mother is a British lawyer that is like persecuting international criminals and her mother decides to prosecute a, um, a Tutsi man and she gets really upset with it because she's also Tutsi right that was kind of the... yeah and and the Tutsi man was well even though he's considered a war criminal he actually freed or helped free the Tutsi people who were um kind of being slaughtered by this other organization. Uh, Hutu. Yeah, well, they had like a Hutu army and they mm -hmm. were basically slaughtering everyone. And they also slaughtered this woman's, Kate's um, family. And then Kate mm -hmm. was adopted because she was the only child left behind. Yeah, so it's kind of looking at the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide, so, so quite heavy. Um, I didn't watch I May Destroy You. Does somebody want to summarize that? I watched it. Um, yeah, it's okay. definitely a heavy topic. Um, basically, a girl is um, sexually assaulted on a night out, um, and it's her kind of coming to grips with being sexually assaulted and kind of piecing back together what happened that night, and she starts to kind of dissect um, things going on around her. Yeah, in short, that's what it was. Okay. Um, as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, when you're watching it, you see so many different relationship, um, sexual relationships, dynamics, and kind of how it plays out for both genders. Um, at first, I thought um, the kind of the sarcasm and like the playfulness with it was kind of cheapened it. But then after I got like three episodes in, I thought, well, this is actually needed because when you start to really explore how heavy the topics are, if there wasn't a lighthearted touch, I don't think I could have watched it at mm. all. Mm. Yeah, I, I did notice that when I was watching the trailer, I thought that was quite interesting that actually it seemed to have a quite light take on such a heavy topic. Um, so, yeah, so why don't we go into the question? So we'll start with the first question. Uh, are there any previous conceptions or perspectives that you had that you felt were changed after watching these shows? Does anyone want to take it off? Um, Sabrina, do you have any thoughts on it? Um, I think with Snowpiercer, mm -hmm. I didn't really have any previous um, conceptions of it. 
um, but there was a film of it. So when I've only watched the film, so when I came across the TV show for Media Club, I was like, oh, expecting it. I think all of my judgment was based on what I experienced from the film. And um, it was definitely 10 times better just because it went into so much more detail with the storyline, which obviously the film couldn't do in, what, two hours. So I thought it was it was a lot better. But yeah, I didn't really have any um, previous thoughts about it. Yeah, uh, Sarish? Um, I think in terms of change, I, I don't think generally around the plot, but I think there are certain characters that I thought wouldn't change as much. For example, what was the, what was her name again? It's been a while since I watched it. The, is it is it Ruth from Ruth? Hospitality? Yes, oh, yes, yeah. Ruth. I, I, I felt like her character changed a lot. And I, in the beginning, I, I just, in generally, I generally I don't like it when American shows always show British people as the mean person, so that really annoys me. So, but <laughs> I felt like it kind of still changed a little, and it, it changed also my preconception of that's how American shows do it. No, it's not necessarily the case. I think that was different, and it changed. And Ruth specifically, I felt like the scene with the little girl in season two season two I hope I'm not spoiling mm. anyone but I felt like that was very heart touching and it, it kind of made me realize how different systems when a system is in place it can it can make people change according to that and they feel that they have mm. to ob oblige to the system and when they don't do that they they're not fulfilling their role whereas when Ruth was outside of the system she she understood and she felt like she was changing and she felt like what she did was wrong and there was a sudden change in her character and that was kind of very, very, not only touching, but also it made me think about what, what can change when systems change. Mm -hmm. And when we break the system, what impact it can have on people that were caught up in the system before. So that was something that just came to my mind. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do think there was an interesting, um, uh, I don't know, dichotomy between like this type of order versus like equality, you know, like which one is more peaceful and which one is, is like, you know, more sustainable for the community. Um, yeah, uh, anyone else? Uh, Natalie, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I, I had also seen the film when it came out. Mm -hmm. but I, I can't remember much of it. I only remember like, okay, this person started it and oh yeah, that person started it too. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, so I went into it just really with, with um, no expectations and my husband and I watched it in two weeks. It was like, yo, we got to get to this because <laughs> Friday's coming. <laughs> so come on. <laughs> so we binged it in about two weeks and I, I quite liked it. I, I, what I thought was going to happen wasn't necessarily what did. So that was great. And mm -hmm. what you were saying about Ruth and how she changed. Oh my God, I was rooting for that woman from day <laughs> one. And having a British husband and me being American, that whole Brits are the bad guy thing. I know. <laughs> I know. And, you know, I'm like, see, I told you who's the bad guy here. And who's the good guy here. Who's our hero? A black man. And of all black men, David Diggs, yes, please. Like, come on. I mean, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yay. 
yay for that. So that was, you know, that, that was kind of just great, that dynamic there and having, you know, hearing her backstory and being like, okay, this woman, she's, she's very much with the program and there is no deviating from that. Um, because obviously what she sees is what is quote unquote correct and there's order and that whole order thing. And you want to shake some of these people who are like, no, but we want it back to how it was. Like, no, like, I just want to shake them. It's like, how could you possibly think this is okay? So I'm looking forward really to seeing more change because with Ruth, I mean, it really was just super exciting to finally see. And she didn't, you know, the whole time she wasn't just, like when, when things started to change, it wasn't just that she flipped a switch and that was it. Okay, and now I'm on the good side. No, she was still like doing her job, but still not quite on our side, on the good side, because she didn't like flat out say it. So like, I wanna see more of that. Other people who just realize, oh my God, yeah, this is wrong and we should all be like Ruth, you know, like, let's just get with, get with the right program, so to speak, you know, forget the other stuff. Let, let's keep doing what's right. You gotta, you gotta big picture, you know, and, and I feel like she thought she was, everything was, was big picture, but no, there's an even bigger one, you know? Mm. So I'm, I'm, that was really great. I really was rooting for her. I was yelling yeah. in my living room. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so the character development really <laughs> really really shocked you Anya, do you have anything to add to that i thought it was really interesting how people were justifying their positions and i feel like it's such an example of society because you'll always find somebody justifying you know whatever situation is unjust and they'll always have a reason um, mm -hmm. And I thought it was it was so ingrained, but what we paid for these tickets and you didn't pay for your ticket, you just jumped on and it's, you know, why didn't they pay for the tickets or why did you have as much money to be able to pay for the for the tickets in the first place? And, you know, if you're rich, how come you think you can get away with things that, you know, uh, in the tail, your arm would be chopped off. And um, I think that was really interesting. Um, and also when I was watching it, I don't know if Sarah remembers, but there is a, a rapper and poet and activist in Germany called Semi Deluxe. And when he was younger, he looks a lot like Leighton. So every time I saw him and then I showed the photo to my partner and he was like, is that not him? And I said, no, <laughs> it's a different person. <laughs> but it was quite funny. So it kind of put a, a different spin on, on me watching it because I always thought about I don't know, when I was uh, 14, listening to his music. <laughs> so kind of a lighter spin on things. <laughs> What's his name? Sean Bean? The hmm. the main bad British guy in the show. He's from Sheffield. Shout out, which is hilarious. Anyways, um, yeah, I think, uh, I know Sarah and Sabrina and I talked about this like at another time, but just thinking about the fact that this is like the last days of the earth, Um. And it's still like the same societal structure. People of color are still weakened. It's still white people <laughs> popping up, having a great time in, in first class or whatnot. And I can't help but unsee, like, first off, where's Jinju at? <laughs> like, she's just this the yeah. only yes. Asian woman. Oh, I kept disappears. saying, okay, yeah, now we're going to see her when they started talking about the aquarium. 
And also, Roche's family, I was like, he keeps talking about these people, but where the heck are they? We finally get to I see know. them, and I'm fingers. And they I'm disappear. Like, well, oh, when I oh, see that they're oh. Asian, I'm like, I hope they're Korean. I hope they're Korean. I hope they're Korean. And then you see a shot of a hanbok in the back later. I was like, I knew it. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. No, I and did not every time that. I saw like Korean writing on the wall, I was yeah. like, look, you see that? You see that? You see that? Like, I didn't notice. That. Oh my god, I was looking for it. I really was. Yeah. So that's what I'm seeing. It's like you see shadows of quote-unquote diversity um and I guess like in the EDI line like Melanie is a head engineer love it um but then you know I love David Diggs but he's still chasing after two white women one of like Rosie's just resurrected it's like I'm I don't dislike the actresses but I'm like you just popped up from the dead what (laughs) okay (laughs) what about the other like POC actors like why aren't they like I'm always like on edge when I watch media like this because I'm like are you gonna give like a plot are you gonna give them like a you know it's just like constantly on edge and what's really interesting about this particular production is that if you look at the EPs they're not just Asian American they're Asian Asian they're like Korean EPs so you would think like oh okay diverse EPs awesome but then the cast isn't that diverse it kind of feels a little tokenistic like protagonist mm-hmm. is a black dude check it's like no both have to be equal for shows like this to be diverse so I'm sorry I love the show so creative very eerie very very heavy but like ugh, like the plot it's and the cast is still like can we get some like more diversity in here why is a bad guy always this white British dude with an accent like <laughs> what is up with this um so yeah that's that's my take <laughs> yeah I thought it was so funny that like when they break up and Ginger's like well what do they always say when you break up on the train I'll see you around and then we never see her again it's like it's like all right way to build up to like having her in the plot more and then you just cut her like, it was like why did you even say that line like you got my expectations up and then it was nothing <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sabrina, I saw you wanted to say something. Do you have? Did you want to reply on that or? Um, kind of like a bit of Snowpiercer, and then um, kind of touching on what Hazel said with um, mm-hmm. "I May Destroy You." Um, I think I I really enjoyed Snowpiercer, but definitely um, with Layton's character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it annoyed me because I was happy that he was like one of the main characters. But then it's like, really, you kind of play in this typical, the typical black guy card with him, with like the two women. He's got his ex pregnant. Um, he's got another kind of kid that's not really their kid. They're just kind of looking after him, but they're no longer look at, looking after him. Is somewhere else on the train, um, mm. and just kind of the way that I, I really hated the way that they depicted his relationships with females I just thought you're really making him look like a really shit guy here um because <laughs> as soon as he gets let as soon as he's allowed up train the first thing he does is get back with with his ex who kind of sold people out it was just it didn't make him seem like he had kind of yeah like like a player like he did didn't show <laughs> like he had any um any faculties um and him he was trying to be the best leader and when you're watching him kind of put things into place and try and restore some kind of order the way they kind of tear him down and it's just like you're just making him seem like a guy who's just he, like there was no real redeeming 
value apart from the fact that you could see he was actually he was actually trying but some of the some of the decisions he's made it's just like really come on like I think it did let his character down a bit mm-hmm. definitely agree with Ruth um in the beginning her character really annoyed me because it was just like why are you so down for the train like you really would ride or die for the train but then as it went over um as it kind of progressed um, I think the scene that stood out for me is when um, Wilfred offered her head of hospitality on like Big Alice mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. was like no and I was like yes yes yes, he yes, turned yes. Down. <laughs> that, that was like my respect for her went through the roof and then yeah. you realize that she doesn't have loyalty to Wilfred her loyalty is to Snowpiercer it is fundamentally the train and you see that in the way that she can't like you say she keeps on working she keeps doing what she has to do to kind of ensure that um train is running and Mm -hmm. her kind of wavering with Wilfred and starting to side with um Leighton you can kind of see she's seen that the, the the system um, it doesn't work and it needs to be changed. And watching it, I, um, you can see why there is a system. It's a horrible system, but the train functioned. It was corrupt and it was bad, but it functioned. The moment the system collapsed, the whole train collapsed. And then it made me reflect on society and think, you know what, we do we do need systems, but the systems we've got are crap. <laughs> but like, how do mm-hmm. we overcome when something is, is all we know? How do you then rebuild it without kind of destroying everything in the process? And I feel like that's the problem that we that we actually face in society is that we're trying to tear down systems, but who has the proper solution on how these systems are to be replaced and in a way that is actually sustainable? So um, that's my take. Mm-hmm. On the um, mm-hmm. With I may destroy you, I think I had, I think I had an idea of how people are supposed to be behave after they've been sexually assaulted or oh, you would expect them to behave. So when um, Arabella's character was still kind of going, going to still being a bit reckless uh, with guys, I was like, would you really do that? But then I thought, hold how how are you actually supposed to act? There is no way that you're supposed to act. Like, if that was to happen to me, how, how would I act? Like, do you know when you, it really makes you question kind of ideas that you have about things that you think you know, and really that, around sexual assault there is no there is no answer for for anything apart from it's just it's just wrong and um I liked how um they kind of challenge certain situations that you might find yourself in which you may not be aware that you was sexually taken advantage of like um her friend um what's, what's her name Terry um when the two guys kind of made a play on her and she thought she was just getting like a threesome hookup and it wasn't until she met the other guy he was like uh it sounds like it was planned so um definitely it's one of those that really had me kind of analyzing situations that I thought I had answers to so mm-hmm. that's my yeah. one too yeah yeah and I think this really does uh go into the second question that I wanted to address which was uh, how diverse were the representations of people of color? Do you feel that the media perpetuated any harmful stereotypes? And uh, we talked a little bit about the Asian female character uh, not really having a lot of screen time in Snowpiercer. And then a little bit about Leighton being kind of like, you know, not like a player, <laughs> you know. And I also felt that in Black Earth Rising, um, so Kate, the main character, like she's a black woman, and they did show her to be kind of like 
um, like aggressive in the way that she talks and interacts with people. And I think it is kind of a result of her trauma and her upbringing of like not really knowing like who she is and feeling like she doesn't have a place. And it kind of like manifests itself in a type of aggression and anger. But then it also made me feel like, well, is this falling back on like an angry black woman stereotype? Like, is this trauma? Is this playing into stereotypes? So I don't know. What did what did you guys think about the portrayals that you saw? Um, does anybody have any who wants to speak first or should I just go down the line again? Uh, all right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I felt hmm, looking back at it because in Black Earth Rising there, you know, it, it was, I mean, there were quite a few people involved and I, there was, um, I forgot his name. The guy who keeps following Kate around and saves her mm. life at some point, but then turns out that he Florence? was actually Florence, I think. Yes, Florence. Yeah, yeah. and he he's yeah because he makes fun and calls him Florence. Mm. Um, yeah, so I was really rooting for him because I thought you know oh he's he's really trying to help her, he's keeping her safe and all that. But then in the end he was selling some information to one of the worst people in it. I kind of feel like he redeemed himself again later because he did something else. But it felt a bit like, ah, you know, why why does he have to be a bad guy now? And there was another, um, he was a, a black priest and he was also incredibly evil. And then, you know, the whole person who, who was like major part of of the genocide he was also a black person and i feel like the the white people in this show because there weren't that many but apart from one they were also they were all portrayed um what i thought in a much better light and i don't know mm -hmm. if that was part because you know it it talked about a genocide which is really really bad but they were still bringing in the white people to yeah prosecute and you know and and they were saying but we we can do it here we can do it in france we can you know all those kind of things so i i did wonder if that was part of the story but it wasn't discussed as much or if it was just portrayed in that way but i i do feel like i forgot her name the um actress i wonder if she would have been on board because i think she's quite vocal and if she would have been on board if she didn't appreciate the, yes, Michaela Cole, um, if she didn't appreciate the the storyline and the way black people were portrayed in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did feel like a lot of the white characters were portrayed quite sympathetically. Like even one of the white lawyers who like you, the first time you meet him, you realize he's a scumbag that just does everything for money. But then he ends up like you find out that he's actually really lonely and I think there's also a hint that he might be gay as well. And it's like, so you start to feel like, like sympathy for him. And then he gets killed off. <laughs> so it's like, okay, like, all right. Like, did you bring in this sympathy just so we would feel bad for him? Or was it because it's like, you're trying to make a more sympathetic portrayal of like this evil white guy? Like, I don't, yeah. I also agree that it was a little bit complicated to try to figure out like, well, is this just because of the plot or is it like, you know, kind of leaning into some of these stereotypes. Um, so yeah, Claire, do you want to say something? Um, yeah, I think in, I've only watched one episode of I May Destroy You, to be honest. It, it was um, 
very heavy <laughs> um, but I think um how do I articulate this when if you like when you're a person of color and you try to think about uh, talk about like intersectionality issues like sexual harassment or like um like anything like particularly about rape you already get put into a judgment box so prior mm-hmm. to watching that I was like because I, I read some like reviews for it and a lot of people are like oh I thought this would be more along the lines of like angry black woman because she portrays that kind of like high strung energy but it wasn't then it's like so you so by the fact that she directed wrote this story and acted in it herself you are already assumed that she was like a strong black woman an angry black woman but you didn't consider like um the other aspect of it which is you know this is a story about I mean, like, touches upon many, many themes, like, rape, sexual harassment, like, women navigating that, like, after, after that incident, like, in society, um, so, I don't know, it's just, like, a very weird, um, lens to start off with, I think, if you're a person of color, if that makes any sense at all, I don't know, maybe someone Mm. else who, who watched it in full can, can elaborate, uh, did anybody else watch I May Destroy You besides um okay, Natalie? Well, I didn't I didn't know what it was about. Like mm-hmm. my husband was like, Hey, we should watch this and I don't know, I think we were just flipping through all the streaming services that we have access to. And like he realized, oh wait, we can watch it here or something like that. And and I'd never heard of it and I didn't realize how old it was either. We're, you know, over a year already, almost two years to then to when it was originally released. Um, so I didn't know what to expect. And like I and, you know, of course, I always cheat and I start looking on Wikipedia <laughs> because I got to know I have questions. Who's who? You know, and he's like, you know, she, she, my husband's telling me about it and I'm reading about this. And I'm like, good God, the fact that this woman was able to get this on television is freaking amazing. The fact that she, she herself was able to get this out, like write her life is again, fan freaking tastic. And something that I, I, again, I didn't expect. Um, so I didn't know. I didn't know where it was going. Um, I quite like that people of color were also like the bad guys, which is great. You don't really see that in, okay, so I've been watching a lot of um, Law and Order SVU. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I am a big fan, uh, several podcasts as well. And in, in like you, the TV shows, at least in those, in New York City, a lot of these crimes, it's, it's typically the white dude that, that is introduced, you know, halfway through the episode, who's the bad guy. And it's like, okay, like that in this story, that wasn't the case. And I found it very hard to, to like the, the, the writer that she was working with. And like those, I had very mixed feelings when it came to that. And I just kept thinking, you know, who, who, who does this? And to be honest, you mentioned anything that's been going on 
Like anything that happens to her, I picture the white dudes that I see on television. So I don't know if these people were um, ethnically, you know, matched to her actual life story, but it was kind of like, oh, it wasn't the white dude because I suspected her, her roommate soft gentle little like ben or something i was like tom it's him it's him <laughs> i just know it no once <laughs> though it was him that's so funny <laughs> i did and only because like he's there but he's not he wasn't in the show enough to convince me that he wasn't the bad guy and we weren't just gonna be bombarded with all of that at the, in the last episode it just mm, mm. I got very suspicious very early on of the white roommate. Mm. But honestly, it's, it, it's a lot of what I consume. It really is like <laughs> murder podcasts and true crime stuff. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, but hey, I gotta say, I really liked that they, we got to see a black homosexual relationship play out on that, on that show. I don't remember the last time I saw black gay characters on TV. I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe sometimes it's like a person who's like, who everybody's like knows is gay, but you don't get to see that relationship. And with her friends and, and the guy that he was actually trying to date, like the sweet one who made him like dinner. It's like, hell yeah, this is great. Like you don't see that on TV. Mm-hmm. Yes, a, and a, a trans black guy as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. To see. <laughs> yeah, one thing I was really, really impressed about I made Destroyer was like how layered so many of the characters were, and it was the fact that yet uh, Michaela Cole, she wrote it all by herself and she acted in it, and who knows what else she did in it. And so, yeah, the majority of the cast in the show are black, and then there are a few white characters, there's the Indian, like British Indian guy, I think, maybe that's all. And um, what was I gonna say? I've forgotten what I was gonna say now. But yeah, a lot of them, they're all very layered. So you've got, well, you've got people who are generally good guys, people who are generally bad guys, but then there's people who are really mixed. Like for those of you who watched it, do you remember that girl, Theodora? Like she's a bit all over the place. Like when she was in secondary school, she was like, absolutely terrible she she's a white girl and she um she basically sets it up to look like this 40 they were like 14 like a black boy in the year raped her and he didn't it was like consented and she cuts her legs and they're bleeding in the classroom and she makes up all this crap to get him in trouble and luckily Arabella like child Arabella when she was 14 she gets like a video or something like because the boy videoed something on his phone so there is some evidence and then later she's like leading a sexual assault therapy group and is like hating on just men in general and is being supportive but then it's like she did that in the past to that boy and like that's terrible and um it's a bit like Arabella likes her her friend Terry hates her and it's so there's like there's all kind of layers going on and then Terry her best friend she is like I can't remember exactly what she did she didn't she like let one of Arabella's male friends like just leave her like that night when she was drunk and ended up getting assaulted 
but then I don't think she really meant anything bad though and then the rest of the time she's a really supportive friend but anyway there's and then Kwame the gay guy he ends up hooking up with a white girl and like a girl well he basically ends up hooking up with a girl and like obviously she didn't think he was gay and then he turns out to be gay and then they both she says some offensive things to him and it's just it's just all over the place like there's all kinds of layers to all kinds of people um so yeah I think that's what I wanted to say not very articulate but there we go <laughs> yeah good points yeah I don't know yeah I want to watch it now because I haven't seen it but <laughs> it seems so like dark I was kind of scared if people watch Snowpiercer um I think because I don't feel like the people of colour in Snowpiercer, their voices were loud enough in the show for it to be recognised. Um, even though I enjoyed the show, I feel like if um, someone watches it, if they really do kind of take um, the portrayal of people of colour and kind of run with it, then there's something wrong with them because there is not enough um, coming from them to kind of... Um, get anything out of. I think Later's the only, per I would say, the only character. And that's because he slightly conforms to certain stereotypes. And I think that's where people would be like, oh, yeah, uh, black guys are like uh, Lathan. Lathan, just because he really, he, his character is kind of built off a bit off that stereotype. Um, I think the fact that you don't really see the Asian characters, I think the people would take from that that Asian people are quiet because you because you don't see them. So, yeah, actually, when you really break it down, um, I don't think there's enough to influence people, but I think there is enough where people can see how it plays into certain stereotypes. Um, mm -hmm. With I May Destroy You, it touched on so many taboos that you don't speak of. And definitely the portrayal of um, black guy, um, gay men when I saw that, I was like, oh, you really went there. Like, that is something that you never, like, when you do see a black, um, a gay black ma um, man in a show, it's stereotypical. They're like really flamboyant. They've got lots of attitude. Um, they're probably a minor character. They're probably the only black character. It's like, if you're going to be a black guy in a show, you're going to be black and you're going to be gay. You're going to have a few lines. You're going to be like this. It's not. So for her, uh, for Kwame's um, character, I was like, whoa, you are not you would not, you're not like what people stereotypically would assume a gay guy is like. Um, I think it, there's certain, I think you wouldn't really be able to take, um, to tell he was gay in certain situations uh, without him making it known. Cause I feel like he does kind of, he's really good at kind of just blending back in and coming out whenever, whenever he wants to. Um, and I think as well, that just showed that you can't really define what a gay guy is supposed to be like, because you really, you really don't know. And when they were showing his like grinder hookups and you kind of saw the guy that was, it was like, really? Like, and it made me question like, oh yeah, you really can't, you can't be that like, you can't assume people are like that. And um, it really did kind of show the, the quotation was black on black crime and how Black people can do the same kind of, the, 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 the behavior that we criticize in the media and that we say, oh, white people are capable of doing to other people or whatnot. I was happy to see, well, I wasn't so happy, but it was good to see the representation because yeah, that does actually, black people do that to each other. They, they and it was, yeah, it was interesting, the dynamics and like Hazel said, the layers, like it was heavy in terms of, it seemed like each character was going for a lot. But then if you look at the bigger picture, 
it shows like a million different stories that are happening every day to so many different people. It's just the show focuses on a small group of people and takes all of the stories that are out there and kind of just piles it onto you so you can really see what, what's going on. Um, yeah, I think I could literally talk about the two of them for ages. Um, with I May Destroy You, it's 12 episodes and I watched all 10 in one night. And the only reason I didn't finish the series is because I had work in the morning. But <laughs> I literally fell down a rabbit hole with it. And I was like, oh my God, there's two episodes left. Because <laughs> they're half an hour each. And oh. that's where I get sucked in because I'm used to watching 20 minute anime episodes. So these, these half an hour ones really just, yeah. So Wait, sorry, how, how did you... Like it was very like emotionally heavy though. How did you like keep going? Um, yeah. Do you know what? I've been on like a murder mystery binge, so I've seen a lot of dark things. He's passed more. <laughs> that is the best way to put it, man. I have literally any kind of I've I've exhausted the murder mysteries out of Netflix, and I've seen. I think that I've seen the Yorkshire Ripper. The Yorkshire Ripper, like yeah. yeah so, so this uh, Nightstalker. Oh God, Nightstalker Night and Cecil Hotel. The two of them oh. together. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. So watching I May Destroy You. Um, it was a heavy topic, but in terms of like shock value, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, Same here. I wasn't I really saw it. I've seen some. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen some dark stuff this morning. So this was it. This was I think good. we saw it in like two days as well oh, yeah. because. It's like, okay, here comes the next one. Like, don't don't pause it. Let it go. We gotta <laughs> see what happens next. And it, it, it is it is really gritty. Yeah, night talk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah, uh, that's that's. I feel like that should be. That I had to watch that one. during the day, and I was by myself. But I oh. told my sister, I was like, "Do not watch this in the dark. Mm. Like, just don't do it." I was, I think I was braiding my hair. I feel like Night Stalker was one of the <laughs> one of the shows that got done with braiding my hair. <laughs> well, as Adrian says, sometimes we watch these shows to educate ourselves or as escapism. So when Hotel, what was it? Hotel Cecil oh Hotel. Yeah, Cecil. I was like, ooh, this looks cool. Then I was like, oh no, genre is horror. <laughs> I can't do this. No, <laughs> I would, I would definitely recommend it because of, um, so the girl that goes missing in the um, Cecil Hotel, like, docu-series. Docu oh, don't, don't tell now, me, because I'm actually going to get scared no, of it's, it. No, it's actually probably, it she's an Asian girl. No, actually, I going to say, an Asian girl living in America. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Yay, but, um, diversity and people going missing. No, but it's... <laughs> It's interesting how the docu-series breaks down her mental state and, like, kind of describes the things that she was going through along with her mental state. They kind of rubbed me up the wrong way, how they kind of portrayed her. Uh, and I would suggest as well uh, The Yorkshire Ripper. Um, that's about what happened in Leeds. And the reason why I'd recommend it is the way that they... The way that the news portrayed females back then was absolutely disgusting. Like the way that they, because it all happened to females and the whole thing was that the guy was after prostitutes. And the way that they degrade and talk about these women that were being murdered. And you just think, wow, is this really, women like, re we really suffered back then. There was just so many different ways in which we suffered. And the most like gruesome crime a female can go through. And like the police didn't even take it seriously. And 
this happened down the road it happened in Leeds <laughs> and the guy was caught in Sheffield so when I kind of um learned that you think well, do you know when things are close to home um so mm. yeah I would definitely recommend it for you. But, yeah, I think we're getting back. a little bit off yeah topic, so let's get back on topic um, <laughs> back, back to you Adrian <laughs> Um, so, uh, Sarah, do you have any comments about representation? And then after that, I'll just introduce the third question. We can go through it briefly. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep myself quick. Um, I am very intrigued about I May Destroy You now because I haven't watched it. I looked at the trailer and like looked at, I think I don't have a BBC iPlayer for some reason. So I need to register for that. Um, but yeah, I do think that might be on my next watch list. So that sounds really good. And thank you for making me feel like I really need to watch this. Um, and in terms of um, representation, what I felt a bit, and I think that's a general thing about media, American media, or even British media, is I don't see myself reflected as a, mm. as a Muslim woman. So thinking about Snowpiercer, that it's the end of the world and there's a selection of people on this train, I think, I think, I saw one hijabi girl somewhere in the background. And that was already a wow for me. Like, woo! Okay, I'm not wearing hijab for, for Hazel and Natalie, but I'm a hijabi, so I wear hijab normally. But it was a bit, that was surprising for me. And I was like, woo! There, there is one girl in the background who has a hijab on. And I was like, but the thing is, the th sad thing is I'm quite used to it, that I'm not represented in the media that I watch. And um, I am happy with the diversity that I see, even if it's any PLCs. So in terms of diversity, I know we've critiqued that it was quite tokenistic in terms of, I mean, I'm talking about Snowpiercer, but I was still very happy to see a range of color, a range of people. And even if it was just then, I think that's still a starting point of where we can go from. Um, and I mean, I, I'm also aware that the storyline is set that the train starts in Chicago. So only who could hop on could hop on basically. Um, but I mean, I, I do think that they tried to be realistic sometimes in terms of who actually has the power and who has not. I think it would be strange to have too many white people in the tale and too many um, people of color in the, um, in the first class, for example. I think that would be very unrealistic and that would not really make sense um, in terms of being realistic or what the reality of PSCs actually is. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, what I really didn't like is that, that first scene in the first class where Melanie was talking to a Chinese couple in Mandarin and then there was an Indian couple as well. And I, I just felt like, are you for real? China and India, one of the poorest countries in the world, right? And you're putting these couples into first class. I know that they're, they're gigantic economic countries and there are rich people there, I know. But it, for me, it was just very unrealistic because it was... I mean, on, on the other hand, it still makes sense. It's good to have a range of people in different classes. But I don't know. I felt like it was still, they try, I do think they tried to make it as realistic as possible. 
Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> um, because it is one of the shows where I have seen more diversity on screen. Um, and that still made me, and now I'm trying to appease myself. I know I shouldn't be happy about it, but I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so in terms of that, 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 that was great. But I don't think that there are no Arab or, I don't know, other Muslim people in Chicago that couldn't have copped on the train. So the, that's my, my biggest critique point. I do yeah. think Zara is, has an Arab background. I do think that. Because I saw her necklace written in Arabic. I think, um, and I do think that they hinted on some sort of like representation there, but thinking about that, the whole Arab world, I mean, I'm not Arabic, but just thinking about that, the whole Arab world is kind of eradicated from the whole world. And there's literally just a bunch of Americans left. <laughs> it's so weird to think about. And, and I mean, aliens. Yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> I know they had this very strong, what was his name again? Something with B, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I well, he's, he's, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yes. And the only way he could be recognized as Russian to have this very strong Russian accent. Was like, oh. <laughs> but that's why they're playing to the stereotypes as well, because he's the only yeah. one that can really deal with the cold on soldier with snow pierce, yes, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. And I found this so strange. And... I mean, I think there are lots of topics that we didn't touch upon in terms of Snowpiercer, but I think we'll talk about that some other time because we should move on to the next question. <laughs> All right. So since we don't really have a lot of time, I'll just introduce the last question. If you have something you want to say, raise your hand. Um, so for the last question, uh, because they were such heavy shows um, and they did cover some bleak subject material, I thought it was interesting that like, did you think that the depictions were too heavy or was it warranted given the subjects being discussed? What do you think are the advantages or disadvantages of shows that are more depressing or violent? Um, personally, when I was watching Snowpiercer, I watched the second season all in one day. And I really regretted that because there was like so much depictions of like violence and like suicidal imagery. And I was just so depressed afterwards. <laughs> But I did like that in Black Earth Rising, when they showed some of the darker scenes that had to do with like the genocide, they kind of showed it in animation. And I thought that that kind of helped like make the tone a little bit lighter and not as heavy. And when I saw the trailer for I May Destroy You, I did notice that the, the tone did seem to be quite light. So I thought that was quite interesting um, given what I knew about the subject matter. Uh, so yeah, does anybody have anything you would like to add? Talk about um, kind of kind of related, but with um, you say is it Black Earth Rising? Yes. Is it Black like is, is it a series or like? Um, uh, it's like a limited series, so it's like I think eight episodes. Yeah, it's not all, super long. Yeah, yeah. that are oh, an hour okay. each. Because listening to you talk about it is reminding me of the film Hotel Rwanda. Um, mm. That if you've ever watched it, that 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 is a that's a film I could never watch again. Like it was amazing, but it is just it was just so hard um, to watch. And that's like the vibes I'm getting, but not as probably as gritty as Hotel Rwanda. Um, mm -hmm. But I know it was to do with like the genocide and everything. Um, so yeah, I am curious to kind of see how like the same event is portrayed um, in say more modern times. 
Mm, yeah, I yeah. think it is quite what, interesting what they've done now that we know more about kind of what happened then, how they've how they've adapted and how they've portrayed it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I would recommend it. I think it was quite interesting. I have seen Hotel Rwanda, and I did feel like the tone was a little bit different. I mean, it was more modern. It did seem to be a little bit more optimistic towards the future. Mm-hmm. So I thought I enjoyed it more than Hotel Rwanda, but yeah. Um, any other comments about the tone? Uh, yes, yeah, sure. Serge. Hazel can go first as well. I don't mind because I'm going to talk about Snowpiercer again because that's the only <laughs> show I watched. So maybe that will connect better. Yeah, go on. I'll go after you. Okay. I was just going to say very quickly that I may destroy you. I was really shocked like the whole time about how graphic it was. Like it is full on, like everything about it is full on. I was really, really shocked. And in my opinion, I feel like it was a bit much. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I feel like it was a bit too much. Um, it could have still been a good show, toning it down a little bit. But I guess the show really goes for the shock factor. It really, I mean, you're not going to forget it anytime soon and people are going to talk about it and stuff because of that. So I don't know if she, I'm really curious about her thinking behind how graphic it was like I want to know actually now I'm just thinking about it why she made it that full-on yeah it was so if you haven't watched it and you do watch it just be prepared make sure like your mum isn't there or just watch it alone I would say I was even worried about like my husband walking in and being like what are you watching like I watched it when he was like not around (laughs) anyway that's all I have to say no um my TV went on mute numerous times watching I May Destroy You. It was too late at night and I just thought no one can hear what, what's coming out of my TV. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. It is It is very graphic. Um, the last episode, Ego Death, that really kind of, that, 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 that episode really finished me off. Do you know when you just think this, when we're coming to the end now, it's just going to wrap it up. But that episode, um, and it really left me questioning how, that was used to tie up the whole whole show and I think it's to get you to realize that it just doesn't there is no answer and there is no sense can be made of these kind of situations so they leave you in a place of uncertainty because for people that aren't able to get the closure that um, with it being reported I think that you've got to kind of create your own kind of closure somehow and that last episode showed so many different versions of how she could have got her closure um, and I think I like how he just ended on on her housemate Ben because I think he really summed up the fact that you don't have to be in a relationship. It's not everyone. It's not about that. I think that his character was the constant reminder that so it's okay to be alone, which all the other characters seem to not be able to do is be alone. Okay, I'm kind of faint-hearted, yeah. so I'm having second thoughts okay. about this show. <laughs> well, but, Sarah, uh, would you like to yeah. talk about Snowpiercer? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it, it, I'm still intrigued about the show, and I, I think maybe I'll watch it in bits or like, I, I am quite faint-hearted. I'm not really a horror person as well. I know it's not horror, but it's just I think I get very emotional very quickly, and then I just take things to heart really, really like 
too much, but I, I think I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'll watch it with my husband together. Or maybe not, Hazel. I don't know. <laughs> but um, okay, I'll think about it. But in terms of um, violence, I was thinking about this whole concept of order again on Snowpiercer and how uh, I, I, f I found it very strange that they introduced this whole punishment of having the arm frozen off to scare people and and that method was only using the tail so it was kind of a measurement to keep people in place and um it was it was very i, f I found it very horrific because at, in the beginning they wanted the arm off the little girl right mm -hmm. and the mum basically she she said i'll do it and she later died of it so it was very heartbreaking and I, it was i felt like this sort of I think there's more violence and violence, not only in terms of physical violence, but also very like, mental violence, like how, how I felt like it was very cruel of Mr. Wilson to um, just save Melanie's daughter for the sake of getting back to Melanie because she stole the train from him. Mm -hmm. And the way she brainwashed her and in the end she lost her mum never being able to love her and I think I think from a perspective from a just recently I've became a mum and just from a mum's perspective what kind of sacrifice Melanie had to give and like just to see Melanie's story as well because after season one you kind of feel Melanie is the is really bad and you have a very weird sort of like picture of her but then you see her journey and then in the end she actually sacrifices herself for humanity and and kind of what she did in the research center like I had such huge respect for her as a as a researcher and as a woman and mm. that she left her daughter behind and with knowing that she might not be able to go back so that sort of like cruelty in Wilson of not letting the train stop and like mm. that was so heartbreaking but the thing is the thing about power is it makes you blind Mm -hmm. And when you're so hungry for power, it doesn't let you look past things. And I mean, thinking that these are the only people that, that are alive, people have frozen to death and there's no humans left and still we're killing each other on the train and we still can't be like on the on the same page i know we can't get along all the time but that doesn't mean we still keep killing each other because we just survived and and i mean thinking about us being in a global pandemic at the moment it's a it's a relative situation where we can compare ourselves but which we can kind of compare in terms of okay we've just survived this pandemic or we're still surviving it what are we doing to come together and deal with it together and uh but we're still fighting each other so when will human learn when will yeah. humans think <laughs> and that sort of that kind of broke my heart is just this scenario of knowing that there are no humans left and we we still can't get along and we're still hungry for power we're still hungry for money for class for status and um yeah yeah violence is, is but it it had to be there show the reality as well mm -hmm. in the show that it, it, there was no other way to depict it, it i think they did they did a good job um i do agree that i, I feel like with snowpiercer that it 
they kind of had to show just how bad things can get. Um, mm. It is a little hard to watch. And they have warnings on, I think, two of the episodes, um, which is appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was that was hard to watch, and there's the whole character of Miss Audrey. Mm-hmm. My husband cannot figure out why she exists. Like, what does she do? Why is she there? It's like exactly. And, Thank I you know. Say that. <laughs> that whole and, plot is such a time waste of screen time. Yes. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> and I'm just trying to think. Okay, but there, there has to be more. There has to be more, and it's this 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 um the power that she has and it's like what what is this and why do we have to see it like how important is it really to the big picture so i'm like how i mean i guess maybe to show just how much power as things but it's just because he has a ton of money and Mm -hmm. it's things from people and giving them just a taste to keep them you know coming back and to with this loyalty that he just has to have but mm-hmm. it's intense and I we're, we're trying to figure out what that's about and mm-hmm. we don't really have a good answer for it um I don't I don't know but the other like fighting between all the groups and stuff I do feel like I agree that I, I feel like that was necessary for them mm-hmm. to show just how bad it could be and I feel like that would that would be realistic, you know. If we, you're the last what three thousand people on the planet, and there's no real hope. And you know, his plan was never to really go back to normal living. He just wants this insane amount of control. It would definitely get to that point. I have no doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anya, did you want to say something quick? Um, just really, really quickly, I think that Black Earth Rising wouldn't have worked in any other way because it is a really bleak subject. And I liked that they talked about her having mental health issues as a result because I think the trauma that she's experienced, it wouldn't have been possible to make it through without having mental health issues later in life. That's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, Sabrina, I think you had one more comment and then we'll wrap it up with Claire. Yep. I think my final point is just for um, Snowpiercer. Uh, definitely agree, kind of, with what Natalie said about Miss Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, her character really does kind of, it, yeah, she's another one that rubs me up the wrong way because I'm not quite not quite sure how she went so left um, when she crossed over onto Big Alice. But I'm kind of holding out for her character and I'm hoping that they have got something good plan for her because at the moment I feel like her role is to kind of highlight how dark Mr. Wilfred is because there's so like some of the the whole bath thing for one and what goes on in that bathroom and was it Kevin how she kind of like got into Kevin's head I'm thinking what kind yeah thinking what kind of cult is going on and she did say to Leighton before she crossed over she said she didn't want to go and she said that he's she literally pre-warned them all before like the trains were connected about Mr Wilfred so the fact that she went over there and kind of flipped the switch and just went down the wrong path I thought she was unstable from the get-go and she gave Mm -hmm. you the heads up 
And instead of listening, do you know one of those? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen to you. The plan has to work. So you need to get in line. And they forced her in line. And they're, they're all hating on her. But it's like, you can't really hate on her because she, she, she told you kind of alluded to the fact that he was a bad guy and I think it would be interesting to see how her and Mr Wilfred's relationship unravels and you actually find out what the hell is going on between them mm -hmm. and it's sad to say but looking at how things are with the pandemic and just what's going on around the world if someone was to announce that there is a train being built and that we've got to buy tickets to get on it I feel like a lot of things that went on that happened on Snowpiercer could really be realistic. I think it's true. I even mm -hmm. down to the freezing the arms off. There's some things that, especially when you when we watch these murder mystery documentaries, as humans, mm -hmm. we are capable of just that and a whole lot worse. So I think that I'd really think you can't say that Snowpiercer is over exaggerated because if you really take a look at society, I think it depicted mm -hmm. the the system and how we kind of and how it does benefit um, the people at the top and, and Wilfred, the only, it, the train is his playground. That's what it is. He has all the money and he's conducting it how it is. Um, he's the train conductor mm -hmm. so in the literal sense. So I guess just wrapping up, I'm so glad to hear all of your thoughts about the shows. I thought they were so interesting and it's really interesting to hear your thoughts about representation and also about the tones of the show, especially with I May Destroy You, which I didn't watch and now I'm very interested in. But I don't know if I can handle it, so we'll see. <laughs> still think maybe it's too dark. But thank you for all of your thoughts today. They were so interesting and I'm excited for next time. Yay! <laughs>